0: Hey, everybody, on the road with Beards and Dunn's back again. Hey, Beards, how are you doing? Hey, doing good there, Dunn. I, I just got
1: off of a of a guide trip on one of the local lakes here. We, we were fortunate, caught a bunch of walleyes and northern pike and had a really great time. And, you know, you, you if you ask me this every week between now and the end of September, I'll say, well, I just got <laughs> off the lake. It's been, a, you know, up here in Bemidji, Minnesota, you know, you've got about, three, four months when you you got to make hay while while you can.
0: Now, Beards, I got to comment. You got your hoodie on. What's the temperature there today? Well, it's it's actually warm
1: here. It's like 83 degrees outside, <laughs> yeah. but done. I'm down in my man cave, and it's like,
0: gosh, dang, sitting in a meat locker. It's <laughs> well, freezing. So the hot air rises. The cold air goes down, so you're down in the meat lockers. Right? Oh, yeah, it's I'm like, saying. But, it's, uh, it's like 86 here today, so it's just beautiful day out there, but... Anyway, beards. Let's see what we uh, we finished up last time. If I remember right, I'd we just uh, both of us ran at Howard Wood. I ran yep. the fifteen hundred. You ran the ten mile. Um, then shortly thereafter, you were gonna get married. But before you got married, you had a race. I did. So
1: I was gonna run the Grandma's Marathon on June twenty third of nineteen seventy nine, but that was the day that. Mary and I were having our wedding day and I thought, you know, (laughs) better (laughs) make make the right choice there, Beards. Right. So there was a brand new marathon that was just starting called the Manitoba International Marathon in Winnipeg. And Winnipeg isn't that far from, you know, here. And so I thought, well, I'll go up and run there. Now, I was trying to qualify for the 1980 Olympic marathon trials. And you had to run two hours, 21 minutes and 56 seconds or faster. Well, my best was about 10 minutes slower than that, but you know, I'd been training good and I thought, well, gosh, I, I'm gonna go up there and and, uh, and give it a shot. So, you know, we started and, and uh, I was with a group of probably 10, 12 runners and it got dwindled down after about five or six miles to four of us. There was me and three invited Japanese runners that were in the marathon. So we're in a tight bunch. We're running along and we're probably about, I don't know, 17, 18 miles into the race. And we we come onto this big open boulevard where there were really there was no shade and it was a very warm, sunny day, you know, running in June, a marathon. And so there was a we're coming up onto a a a person's aid station. It wasn't one that was actually one of the races, but there was this little old lady that had a card table out on the side of the road, and she had a, there was a bunch of sponges on there, and, and uh, some were in a bucket, some were just wet, sitting on there, so I'm I'm dying of thirst, and I am thirsty, so I slowed down, and I reached into the bucket and you know grabbed a sponge. Well, I was so thirsty, I put it in my mouth, and I just sucked down on it big time, and swallowed this big sponge full of,
0: Soapy water. She probably brought that bucket of spongy to clean her her card table off. Yeah, she, I, oh my lord. I, I'm thinking, did
1: she just wash her car with this thing? <laughs> oh, no. And so, within within about a quarter mile, I've got the biggest gut ache. I cramp up, <laughs> and the Japanese, the three Japanese runners, you know, they just they they take off, and I I just there's nothing I can do. And so I finally came to an aid station with about. Four miles or so left to go, and I got some, you know, real water in a cup, <laughs> and drank it down, and, and swished my mouth out. I was blowing bubbles to the next half of my. <laughs> Training tip: Don't drink silver right. water. Okay. No. So, so at the marathon in Manitoba in Winnipeg, you enter the their big stadium there, and you do three quarters of a lap around to the finish line. Well, I come in there and again, we didn't have a pace vehicle in front and you know, we didn't have all these fancy pace vehicles like they do now. So I enter the stadium, but they had the big clock going with the running time. And I look up on it and I'm thinking, holy cow, this is gonna be close. So, you know, Dunn, the last thing you wanna do in a marathon is sprint. Yeah, yeah. So I am, I mean, I'm pumping my arms, lifting my legs, and I come around the last corner, and I can see the finish line, and I'm running towards it. And I can see the clock, and I'm thinking, "Oh my gosh!" Well, I—long story short—I come across the finish line. I had to run two hours, twenty-one minutes, and fifty-six seconds. I run two
0: hours, twenty-one minutes, and fifty-four seconds. Wow, two—wow, two seconds. You know, two seconds kind of remind me of Boston. You got anyway, yeah, we, I, me and two well, seconds. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah no. Just, k- so but, you you but made done. the trials, qual- yeah. Okay. I did, and I was.
1: I was so gosh dang excited. I mean, I was jumping up and down. You you would have thought I just won a
0: gold medal. Well, you got it. It was really neat. But like I remember, you you know you had really made this commitment to running, and that was your goal. So, wow, you and you dropped your best. Now I got to kind of do a recap. You had ran a 2:47 a couple years earlier, your first marathon. You did a couple 2:33s. You did a 2:31 in junior college. Then you just dropped it to two twenty-one. I, I dropped it about ten minutes. Yeah. yeah. All right. And so
1: I was very fortunate, you know, that things just kind of worked out. I mean, to you know, to go to go from two thirty-one to two twenty-one, you know, at that
0: at that level, that's a that's, that's a quite jump. a drop. Yeah. No. No kidding. Well, all right. So that was the week before your wedding. Yes. All right. So. Yeah, week before our wedding. Then we headed out, and we met you in bone Steel, South Dakota. That's where Mary's hometown. Tell people where Steel is, Dick. Yeah.
1: So bone Steel, South Dakota, most people have probably never heard of it. It's 150 miles southwest of Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And it's just on the west side of the Missouri River out there. And honest to goodness, if the wind is from the north and you spit, it'll land in Nebraska. That's how close they are. And it's just a little town of about... I think 250 people, and in fact, when I first started going out there, all the streets in town, even Main Street, was a dirt road. Wow. Well, then Mary's dad became the mayor. Mm-hmm. He got paid a buck a month for being the for being <laughs> the mayor, but he he got all these grants from the government, and they they paved all the roads in town. They put up a new water tower. They put up a um, a, a swimming, you know, a, 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 town swimming pool for the kids. Yeah. I mean, he really turned that town into something. And, and I still go out there, you know, twice a year to go fishing and stuff. And I, I, I know everybody out there, so it's, sure. uh, it's, it's kind of fun.
0: You know, and, and we had a great time when you got married then that follow, the week after, uh, the Canada Canadian marathon, we, uh, I was in the wedding party and I was right. really honored by that. And, uh, we uh, we got out there, and you and I started your tradition because I, I kind of <laughs> forgot you just ran a marathon. But man, you had no ill effects because I the morning of your marathon, you and I said, "Well, let's go for a run." And I was training pretty hard. So you were right back into it. Maybe it was your first kind of run after your marathon. But we well, didn't- no, you know, done. You know me. I mean,
1: I'd I after a marathon, I'd. The next morning, I'd go out for about a forty-five minute jog, maybe an hour. The next day, And by the third day, you're good to go. I thought, well, oh, time to start training again. I, know, now, what, you- I look back on that now,
0: how stupid was that? <laughs> I don't know. How, well, you you obviously had a I don't know how to say it a light. Stride. I recovered quickly. You did. You recovered. Awesome. You, you thank your grandparents. I think you inherited some right. genetics there or something. But you and I went out for. I remember we did a fifteen mile run the morning of your of your wedding. We did. And that was that was so much fun. It was just you and me out in the. Middle of God darn nowhere. I can't remember. We, I think we kind of did an out and back because there weren't that many roads to run we on. We did. We went We went out
1: on a gravel road, and it was kind of up and down through hills, oh. and we got out about seven, seven
0: and a half, eight miles, and we, we thought, well, guess we better get back <laughs> for the wedding. <laughs> that, all right. Well, we got back, and I think the coolest part of your wedding, well, you had, it was an awesome day. We had so much fun. But we yeah. got back, and all the groomsmen were meeting at the church, and it was a Catholic church. <laughs> And I just remembered, you know, I was I was pretty. We had ran fifteen miles that morning. Right, your groomsmen of were some of your old buddies and stuff. We were all there, and and the Catholic priest he had us in the back room waiting for the festivities the kind of the service to get started. He. Could start and he he had a refrigerator, and he opened it up, and he goes, "Boys, he goes, There's going to be a hot one out there today. I don't think they're, they're, the church was air conditioned." And he opens up the fridge, and he pulls out a, a like a twelve pack of beer. Right. And he, he has us all. I think it was Miller High Life, if I remember right. I like Miller. Anyway, he cracks them open. and We're all sitting back there going, "Okay." And, and, man, I was, was. I was loopy for your wedding, if oh, I remember right. That was that was Father
1: Eigel. Uh, and uh, he's the one that performed our ceremony, <laughs> and, and and he did. I, I'll never forget that. And I think he even had a beer or two with us. Yeah, and, sure.
0: Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's uh, only in only in Bonestill, South Dakota. And then that night, <laughs> I swear, if there were only two hundred and fifty people in town, they were all at that wedding dance because it was oh. a hootin' Annie, as they used to say. It, done. Oh. It really was. And now you
1: got to remember, Mary's mom came from a she had 15 brothers and sisters oh, and Lord. mary's dad ed had 14 brothers and sisters and they all grew up and farmed around that area so just bringing all that family clan in <laughs> is, a
0: couple hundred people right there by yeah the, yeah, yeah
1: but oh. i'll tell you i you know back then i loved to dance and wedding dances were a big thing back then they didn't have djs like they do now you know do you know do you remember the name of our of our band I we don't, had i don't Leo Brotsky and the Elkhorn Valley Boys. <laughs> it sounds, like a, it sounds like a John Candy movie or something like oh, that. We had so much fun. And then do you remember this, Don? So when the band, halfway through, they, they took a little bit of a break. So my best man at the time was a high school buddy of mine, George Ross. And George and I got up there. We The guys in the band said we could use their guitars. We both played the guitar. And we both got up there and sang put another log on the fire and everybody's
0: dancing around. And- a, I tell you, I, I finally, I was, I got so tired. I got the heck the party was going on when I left and I'm not sure. I think the Brant boys were there from ssu oh, yeah. and those guys, they probably closed the place down knowing those two, but anyway, we had a great time. That and, was fun. Um, and so that was in June. And then, uh, we kept, you know, then I, I was planning to do, um, you know, Winnipeg had that first-time marathon. Rapid City, South Dakota, had their first marathon right. ever in 1979, the the uh, Black Hills Marathon. And uh, Lyle Claussen a good training partner of mine, and Lyle was a high school coach when I was in high school, and uh, we would train together uh, when I was in college. He and the, the Bills boys and I would go out for 20-mile runs. Well, Lyle and I, I said, Lyle, I'm thinking of doing this Black Hills Marathon. And it, would, it had a reputation of being – a fairly downhill course, but <laughs> right. all the downhill came in about a one-mile stretch. Oh, just out- brutal! It is just right outside of Rapid City. There's, they, they call it the Fish Hatchery. It's Rimrock Canyon Highway 44. If you ever go there, it's a great place to go visit. Uh, Mount Rushmore, beautiful. Oh, great! You know, uh, Reptile Gardens, all the touristy things. But as you're coming in from the from like Deadwood on Highway 385, you turn onto Highway 44, coming into Rapid City. All at once, the heel just, drew this it's a mile long. I always said if you had a skateboard at the top, oh, oh my God, you'd be going about 50 miles an hour by, you got, oh. by the time you got to the bottom. So that came at yeah. about the 15 mile mark. But anyway, I, I thought, man, maybe I could get, I'm going to try to qualify for the 80 trials as well. And so right. I had trained well that summer and whenever Lyle and I, whenever I did long runs or hard, I'd hammer the downhills, just hammer the downhills, trying to like toughen up my quads. Because I knew that that Black Hills Marathon had quite a bit of downhill running in it, which would be helpful for pace, you know, Absolutely. going faster. But but when you pay a price, as you know, like Boston beats you up sometimes with the the downhills and right. So we got out there, and uh, my fiance Karen came with me, and Lyle and his 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 wife, and we we got there the day before, of course. And we went to – we said, okay, carbo-loading is its still a big thing, but it was really a big thing then. Oh, we, for sure. We went to a place called Shakey's Pizza. I don't know if Shakey's – Oh, I love oh, Shakey's, Shakey's Pizza. And Shakey had a buffet it was like 10 bucks. All you could eat <laughs> was probably like 5 bucks then. I don't know. But I told Lyle, said, so yeah, we're going to load up on pasta beards i'd never eaten so much pasta in my life i mean i'm thinking man i'm running a marathon tomorrow i want to i don't want to run out of gas and so i'm just stuffing myself stuffing myself finally you know you get to the point where you go i can't even swallow anymore right i'm just you're gonna have to roll me out of here and so we 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 got out of there you know probably at six in the evening or whatever and and we thought well you know let's let's just stay off our feet we went back to our hotels we stayed at some real cheap place i think if I of course remember right. we did back now then. you got to remember this is labor day weekend now labor day right. weekend and i don't know if you know western What yeah, it's hot weather and the the race director was a guy named sheldon sherborne was his name and um he planned the race started at 6 a.m to beat the heat they started sure. up at the pictola reservoir which is up in the mountains as you know it's kind of chilly and at, right. and we got up there we had to get up at four in the morning and drive the 20 basically 25 miles it was about 20 from where we were staying to the starting line and get there enough time to kind of jog around warm up and as you know beard you always want to you know get moving a little bit because you want to how do i say this gracefully you know have your morning (laughs) constitutional or whatever oh yes. you know you want to get that out of the way so i just stuffed myself that night before went to bed you know i was drinking water through the night and stuff and woke up and you know drank some more water and I think I had a little toast or something. I thought, man, I haven't, I haven't had the urge to go to the bathroom yet. And I kind of <laughs> thought, well, it'll, you know, we, we got to drive up there. So we drove up there, had our running stuff on. I was jogging. You know, you don't really jog warm up much for a marathon because no. you, you got plenty of time for that. But you right. kind of jog a little bit, just loosen up a little bit and kind of get things moving. I kept going into the bathroom. Nothing, nothing, nothing. Oh. And, you know, I felt full, but I had I, it's just like, oh, man. And they finally, I was in the, I was the last guy out of the porta potty They were like, <laughs> okay, this is it. We're going to shoot the gun in one minute. And I I got up to the starting line and Lyle was standing there kind of wondering where we, where was I? I and said, you hadn't done had nothing, yet. Nothing. And oh. I told, I looked at Lyle and I said, Lyle, I'm done. I said, I, I'm going to start running. You know, it's going to happen. I'm going to start cramping up. I'm going to have to use a bathroom. And he's like, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. You know, and I, oh, I was just yeah. so just, dis- I was worried about that and. The gun went off, and Lyle and I had made a pack. I said, you know, Lyle, if we're going to run to under 221, 221.56, we need to pretty much be just around 520, 525 right. per mile. And he goes, yeah, yep, yep, that makes, yeah. So, I, you know, you don't want to get too far behind that. So we went out through the first mile, and I was really worried about, you know, pacing it right. And we went through the mile in 540, which is, uh, you know, that's a, were you a little concerned you know, at yeah, that point. You know, I thought, well, it's only right. the first mile and everybody's, it's six in the morning. You know, you're, it's, was there anybody with you? Well, there or was it was a just group. you alive? No, there was a group okay. of uh, six, seven, eight guys, you know, and, and yeah. they're all just running along. And I thought, all right, maybe things will kind of, you know, we're warming up now. And we go through the next mile. Beards, I am not kidding. It was 11. Uh, minutes and like twenty seconds it was another five forty. We did jeepers, and I thought, man, we're already forty seconds behind the eight ball here, <laughs> right? And I, beards, I kid you not. I just, I kind of was. I don't think I was mad, but I was kind of like, this is ridiculous. And I, right. I, I took off. I really, I just noticeably picked up my. And nobody went with not ya? a soul. So I made my move at the two mile mark and and you have to run about four miles to turn onto this highway 44 to head down into rapid city. And my fiance Karen was there at that corner and it was already warming up. I mean, I I had my SDSU. I wore my SDSU top singlet and I, and I kind of thought, if it's gonna get hot like it's supposed to, it was gonna be in like ninety that day. I thought Ugh. I'm gonna want it and back in the day, I don't know if you ever did a dick, but I'd run without a shirt on. You know, just like oh, the sure. nowadays they say that's actually not that good because direct sunlight's probably gonna heat you up as much as yeah you wanna cover yourself. But I had actually pinned my number onto my shorts in case I, I took my oh, top off. One. Yeah, I wouldn't lose my number. But at about five miles, six miles, I took off my top and threw it to my fiance Karen. And I, I'm just running with a pair of shorts, and that's it. Right. And I'm feeling pretty good now. And I, they did. They, they didn't have splits. And well, they had a five mile split. They had a ten mile split. They had a fifteen. Way different back yeah, then. Yeah. Every it is five now. miles, you had a guy yelling out your time yeah. if you could hear it. And so as we kept going, I I kind of knew I was doing okay. I was doing okay. And I got down into Rapid City, and I went down that goddamn hill. And I had a guy on a bike. His name was Steve Lindstrom, and Steve was a teammate of ours at, at South Dakota State. He was a heck okay. of a, a 400, 800 meter runner. His dad, who's the head coach at Rapid City uh, uh, Stevens, uh, Ken Lindstrom, was running the marathon. So his son oh. Steve was out there supporting his dad on his on the bike. And yeah. and uh, he had ridden up to me at about fifteen miles. Just I think it was right. Right after that downhill, and and he said, uh, "Hey, Mike, the guy's in the back." My dad said, "Go for it." You know, they they said, "They who's up front?" And, he, he, and Steve had said, "Mike Dunlap's up there. He's just he's all by himself." And he yes. they said, "Go tell him just to go for it." And I really pumped me up. And I and, bet and it did. And Steve claimed, "He goes, Mike. I timed you going down that hill. You did a five-minute mile going downhill." We you know? and I thought, "Yeah, cool. I'm making up all that time we lost." But Dick, I don't know if you know this, but when you get about Twenty mile mark and you hit the flat. It was flat. Uh, I felt like I was running uphill because my I legs. Bet. Oh, you know all that eccentric <laughs> contraction. My legs were just like man, they were getting tired. And I, I thought, okay, we get to the twenty mile mark. That's going to be the make or break. When I, I'll know what I need to do that last ten k n to get under. You know, 221.56. Because, done. Now, let me ask this. So, the last 10K that is pretty much flat, flat as a pancake. Oh, flat through Rapid City. You could, yeah. That's why that flood went through there. There was nothing to right. slow it down. But anyway, I get to, I'm getting, I'm looking at the mile markers. I saw 19. I'm getting, I know, I know right where the 20 mile marker is. Our hotel was right beside it. And I get up there and I'm like, man, I can't wait to hear what my time is. This is nobody there. Nobody there. I'm, I'm like, I almost came to a stop. And oh. and it's like, where's the 20 mile split? And I found out later the guy who did the five mile split was supposed to jump ahead to be the 20 mile split. Yeah. You know, they didn't have enough guys to do every you know time split. Right. They they jumped ahead. He hadn't got there yet. Now I could brag and say I beat the guy in his car. Well, you were yeah, you were running too fast. <laughs> he, he had to wait for the last place guy to get by the five mile mark. Then he had to get in his car and pass all those runners coming down into Rapid City. Anyway, sure. I was so bummed out. I thought, I, I don't know what my time is. It doesn't matter. Keep running. Keep running. Right. Oh, beards. I got to the 24-mile mark and they had an aid station. You know, that's kind of late in the game for an aid station. Right. And I'd been, I'd been hitting aid stations. I'm not a good drinker when I'm running, but I'd grab a I'd try to get a, a slurp in I'd call it. Yeah. I got a little, I got more on me than I ever got in me. Right. But I thought, man, at least, you know, I'd always stop. And I kind of, I kind of walked through the water stop and start running again. And it just was a kind of nice um, uh, uh, mental break. Nice little break. Oh, yeah. parents, I got to 24 and there was an aid station. They were all excited. Like, Hey, here comes the first runner. You know, they're all got, there's like eight sure. kids out there with glasses of water in their hands. And I thought if I stop here, I may not get started again. (laughs) I mean, that's how I I, I hit the wall at about 24. And as I turned, it was two miles to go back to the Civic Center in Rapid City. They had a guy on a bike now leading me because it was kind of through a traffic area. They had the roads closed. And I tell you what, that guy on the bike, I don't know. I really, when you're running behind somebody on the bike, it feels like you're just, I was running in molasses. I couldn't, I just, I was like, oh man. Now, a lot of people have asked me over the years when I've told them this story. They'll say, Well, why didn't you just look at your watch? Now you gotta remember in 1979, I'm 22 years old. You know what a chronograph stopwatch on your wrist would have cost? More no kidding. money than I had. They were like right. they were like 50 bucks. Now you buy them for like five bucks, you throw them away, and the battery goes dead. We had no, I had no concept, no. we didn't have a timer. No. Anyway, and I'm as I'm running that last mile, and I see the Civic Center, and I have to go around the darn thing, you know. And I'm just thinking, there's no way I'm going to make it. I'm just dying out here. And so I get to the finish line, and they had no clocks, nothing. And I no. I came across the finish line. I was happy I won the goddamn race, but I thought. Oh, you know, I, I, I really like, what is my, and the race director, Sheldon Sherburn walked up to me and he, he, he puts us, Oh, he's pat me on the back. Oh, Mike, you did a great job. You did a great job. He goes, and here's your time. And he held this, cl- this wristwatch, you know, it's like the old, <laughs> the one we used on track, it, it right. pushed the button. And it had the sweep second hand It also had an hour dial, which was real shiny. Sure. And then it had, you know, hours, minutes, and seconds. I couldn't even hardly focus and see what that, I didn't, I said, I just said, what does it say? That's all I could say. (laughs) And he goes, it says 22031. Wow. Oh, my God. Hallelujah. Again, I was like, I couldn't believe I was, I thought I was like way past 22156. So I qualified, I qualified for the trials. And I also. Done. Excuse me for interrupting. Wasn't I out there? You you came, so that, a, yes, you came a year or two later to help do radio. Oh, okay. It wasn't that race no. I was no. Okay. Yeah, they brought you in as, a, as a guest uh, commentator. You and now I and this, Bob Wyskowski did radio yes. for the, the marathon. That was a hoot. But Okay, I, so you finished, oh, you're your qualified. I qualified, and I am just on cloud nine. I mean, you know how the adrenaline and, and, and the endorphins kick in, and, and I tell you, I was so dry I couldn't even spit. It was getting hot. Now, you got to remember, yes. it's 8.20 in the morning. I have just ran 26 miles. I've ran a marathon. Most people are just getting out of bed. Exactly. It started at 6 a.m., but we beat the heat. Most of us beat the heat. Right. But one of the sponsors of the marathon was like the pop distributor, like Pepsi or Coke. I don't remember which one. And they had these horse tanks, you know, like the water tanks they use for animals. Yep. They had them full of ice and just hundreds and hundreds of cans oh. of soda. Whatever you wanted, oh. it was a help yourself. It's free to all the runners, you know. And Bears, I could. I was so thirsty, and I was bonked, so I was hypoglycemic. Right. I was, you know, kind of. I needed sugar, and and I reached in and and I saw a can of squirt. And I, you know, as a kid, oh. you know, it's kind of sour. It's got that grapefruit, right? It, but I, boy, it just sounded. And I took that, cracked it open. And I, <laughs> I didn't even taste that one, Beards, <laughs> I reached in and grabbed another one. I cracked it. I didn't even taste that one. it's <laughs> four cans of squirt oh my all within about five minutes. I am not exaggerating. <laughs> I mean, it it's tasted so good. I bet it did. Well, had I mentioned to you, I hadn't gone to the bathroom. I didn't have to go that whole race. I cannot believe you didn't have to stop somewhere along <laughs> Beards, the way. But that that all that sugar hit my gut. And you know when you're trying to, your body's like, what the hell are we? Gonna? You know, there's too much sugar right. in here, and it starts pulling fluid into your gut to help dilute yeah. it. Yeah. Well, the next thing I know, lucky the civic center had a huge restroom. In the, they had a <laughs> locker room, and I I spent the next hour, and it was <laughs> getting rid of your. Oh pizza. my gosh! I tell you, it was. I was so happy and so miserable all at the same time. I, I And, you know, it was one of those things. And, and I had my duffel bag in there. And finally, I, I, I had a, a, a moment of of relaxation. Where I, could, I went and showered. And, I you know, guys are coming in. Lyle finished third. Lyle Klaus, my buddy, ran 228. Second place wow. was 226. So I had won by like six, seven minutes. Yeah. And so I was pretty, you know, I was on cloud nine. And uh, I remember we we're sitting in this locker room. I pulled, they had some plastic chairs and those they're kind of made out of vinyl or whatever. And yeah. I took one of those off the stack and just sat in the shower sitting. I didn't want to stand because it was, oh man, I was, I was naked. Oh, I was hurting. Well, here's the thing. It's like now 1030 in the morning and Lyle's done. We're showered. I'm finally got over my bathroom episode and it's like, we have to drive back to Sioux Falls. And so we, oh. so we go to Sheldon, this guy, Sherburne, Sh- uh, Sheldon Sherburne and we go, look, we, we need to get going. Can we just pick up our awards? You know, I got a, a trophy, and I got the Stetson yeah. cowboy hat, which I gave to my father-in-law, and he, he loved that. And he said, well, Mike, you and Lyle got first and third. Our awards ceremony is scheduled at one thirty this afternoon at this park. We're going to have food there. He goes, if you guys aren't there, it's not going to be very much of an award ceremony, right? Right. And so we felt guilty. We said, yeah, "Okay, okay, yeah, we'll hang around." And so we just sat there. It was Labor Day weekend, so the telethon, the local telethon, was going on in the civic center. So Karen and I and we all sat in there and watched the local DJs doing sure. the telethon stuff. Well, anyway, and so that that was my uh, fall marathon of '79. So I was kind of excited because I know you had run two twenty fifty six fifty four in Canada. Two twenty one. Two twenty one fifty four. And so then I ran 22031. So I, we both had qualified for the 80 trials. Of course, I But was, you almost a minute faster. Oh, yeah, but I, I kind of took care of the beards there, put him in his place. But then you decided to do one more race that year. I did.
1: So there, back then, there was a big race called the Nike OTC. OTC stood for Oregon Track, Track Club. Club. And it was a big race out in Eugene, Oregon, at the University of, of Oregon out there. And. I wanted to get out there so bad. So I remember uh, calling the race director and he says, you know, Dick, listen, here's the deal. We, you know, you're you're just not fast enough for us to pay your ticket out here and all that. But if you can get out here, we'll put you up with a host family. Well, I, you know, I'm just newly married. I didn't have money to, <laughs> you know, a coin to throw in a bucket. And so one of my 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 roommates in college, Bob Franzen. He was from a little town in East Central Minnesota, and his dad was a very successful businessman and, and whatnot. And and so I thought, you know, I've always said this to myself and others that will, would ever want to listen is that, you know, if all you got to do is ask somebody if they can help you out. What's the worst thing they can say is, yeah, sorry, I'm not interested. Right. So... Oh, Done. So I wrote this letter to Bob's dad, Dennis Franson, and, and I think the the cost of a airline ticket was was two hundred and fifty bucks round trip ticket. So and I found that out. So I said, dear Mr. Franson, you know I'm trying to get out there. I I'm trying to break two hours and twenty minutes. And and um, listen, I uh, if I could somehow you know borrow the money from you and I'll I'll pay you back. I'll even wear the name of your company on my jersey and stuff and. You know, thanks for at least, you know, considering. Well, I didn't, I didn't know if I'd even hear back. Well, about five, six days later, I get a letter in the mail and I open it up. Dear Dick, first thing he said was, in big letters, thank you for asking. He goes, I'm more than happy to pay your airline ticket. You don't have to pay me back. You don't have to wear the name of my company on your shirt. And he said, by the way, I wrote the check for $500 so you could have a little spending money wow, that out there.
0: Is awesome. I, I didn't know that. that. That was huge. That is huge am- to me, Doug. And now, not to. Can I bring this around? Didn't you, the number you wore at Boston when you ran 208? Yeah. Did you sign it and give it to him? So, I did. I knew that. I knew yes. that. Is that just kind of what you just felt like that guy?
1: Well, yeah. here's what happened, Dan. We're, we're jumping ahead just a little bit. But so after I won the Grandma's Marathon in, in 1981, I ran 209.36. So Mary and I were still living in the one-bedroom apartment there in Excelsior, and Bob's dad, Dennis, called me up. He says, Dick, listen. He goes, I've got a 100-year-old a cabin, oh, a yeah. real log cabin on the in the – Wilderness of the St. Croix River there's there's trails and miles and miles upon trails to run on. He says you can live there for free and I'll I'll pay you you'll be a spokesperson for my company and I'll give you $800
0: a month. Well, who wouldn't jump on something like that? So he just he was I, I don't want to use the word sugar daddy. He was he was a sponsor. He saw your potential. He wanted to see how far you could go with this and well, and he wanted yes, to help me. He, yes, want to he need, wanted to help me out. Yeah.
1: And so after Boston, I'll never forget this. We Boston's on a Monday. We leave on I had to do some stuff with the new balance on Tuesday. So Wednesday we fly back. So we drive from the airport and down in Minneapolis-St. Paul, and we we're, we come into the little town of Rush City at about midnight. And you know how, like, when the homecoming football team's getting ready to play, and they they put all that print stuff on the windows yeah, of the t- sure. the stores in town. They had banners up every window, said "Congratulations, Dick! Way to go!" The next day, I had to be at the high school. Mary and I did it at 11 o'clock in the morning. The whole town. Was in the high school. The band, the high school band, learned how to play the song "Chariots of Fire" um, <laughs> in about a day and a half. We, I, they bring me up on stage. They give Mary this big bouquet of flowers. They give me a key to the town of of um, Rush Rush yeah. City, and Governor. I think he's. I think it was Governor Perpich at the time. Proclaimed that day as dick beardsley day in minnesota dennis got all this done in in uh,
0: two days it, I, it was i was i i'm still almost speechless when i think about it so this is now what september of uh 79 when you went to so, yeah, nike so otc was, yes that was september so of 79 support you were able to get the ticket you got out there yes what was the race you know i re- i know your time but I, I can't remember how you placed do you remember much about the race I, you know,
1: I don't, to be honest with you. I remember you ran through the streets of Eugene and Springfield, Oregon, and then you finished on the famous, um, what's the name of the track? Hayfield. Yeah, Haywood Hay- Field. Hay- Hay- Hayward Field. Yeah. So you finished on the track. I don't remember much about that race other than I, I was hoping to run a sub-220 because back then that was kind of like – for a miler to break four right. minutes, if you're going to break into the big time, you had to get under right. twenty. Under, yeah. And I, you know, I ran, I think, two hours, twenty minutes, and twenty
0: two seconds. Yeah, I remember because you beat my time then by yes. nine seconds. So we had this little rivalry, you know, in college. Now in the marathon game, it's like, okay, Dick ran two twenty one. I ran two twenty. Dick runs two twenty, and it's like, son of a gun,
1: it. Well done. My number one goal going in was was to try to break 220 but my the one before that was just to make
0: sure I was a little bit faster than you Thanks were. Thanks <laughs> a lot. That's your motivation. I'm glad I could help. I'm glad I could help. Exactly. You know that and so let's just kind of you know and, and Dick if in case the listeners don't know but if we haven't brought it up you actually have to this day I believe the for a man the Guinness Book of World Records for consecutive consecutive personal best. So when you look at your times you start with the 247. Yes. Then you ran a 233 and change and a 233 with a little less change. Right. Then the 231, then the 221, yep. 54. Now you've got a 220. So I'm kind of counting. That's like, what's that? Six PRs in a row. And then, you know, and anybody who's, you know, if you ever finished a marathon, congratulations. And if you ever, you know, every time you run one, you go, man, I ran a little faster than I did before. But there's so many variables Oh, that, you know, the courses, the weather, done. your training, uh, you know, and the, so the fact that you're probably, you can't expect to do a personal best every well, time out. Well, I, and I never went in thinking, okay, I'm going to try to be a little bit faster. I just
1: went in and ran. to try and to ran. run the best I could. And I didn't even know there was such a record until you called me one day and you go, beards. You're in the Guinness World Book of Records. I go, (laughs) for what? And they had a a sports edition of that publication. And sure enough, I was in there. And it finally came to an end after I ran the 209.36 at Grandma's.
0: You Um, messed up. Because then you went to Stockholm, if I remember right, and ran like 214. You, yeah, You loser. Yep. <laughs> no, I know, I know. I know. Yeah, we'll talk about that race some other day because that yes, was kind of an interesting we story. we will. There's some good stories, yeah. And so, you know, this is, you know, this is 1979 and, you know, the running boom was at full, full crest. Right. I mean, Frank Shorter, Bill Rogers, the king of the road. Yep. Um, you know, these people, every, Craig Virgin was in college. All these American runners were pretty much dominating the running scene in the United States. Absolutely. You know, the Kenyans hadn't really... They hadn't gotten on board yet and it, No
1: there was a there a was few, a few Kenyans but, but not like there are no. today that it, that came over to to run races in the US But you know it
0: was so exciting and when you're young like we were I'm training our minds out and you would see these <laughs> you know and I'm going to break a little bit you know I ran 233 then I ran 229 then I ran 224 and then I ran 220 so I was knocking like 4 minutes off every right. year and I thought that's at, crazy these days I'm going to have the world record in 3 more years As all the runners out there know, it doesn't it doesn't work that way, you know. As and it it doesn't get any easier going that direction, you know. And and the hardest thing is, you know, as you get as you're reaching that, I always call it your your ceiling, you know, your physiological capability, and you don't know what that is. You really don't know unless you you go out and apply yourself, do the training, do the training the right way, and it's kind of your genetics. Give them the opportunity to see where they'll take you. And and you'll never know this if you don't really put the effort in to do it. But as you're approaching that, the improvements, the amount of work it takes to improve just a little bit more is just minus. It's so much training for such little improvement. But well, and Dan, like you
1: said too, so much. You can you can have the best training regimen going and then if the weather's bad oh, you or you eat you, something you get a little bit yeah. of a side ache or a blister or drink, you just some, don't know. drink some
0: soapy water or right exactly <laughs> or eat too much pizza the night before or something yes. like that. well parents i tell you i i just remember this was an exciting time for me and i know i think it was you know it was kind of this the snowball effect as you're running and you're getting faster i just look forward to i look forward to more training and more racing more training and more right. racing um and that that was never a problem to get motivated. Well, and
1: Dan, you know, you lived in Sioux Falls. We lived up yeah. outside the Twin Cities there when we were kind of at that point in our running careers. And but I I always remembered, like when you and Karen would come oh, to yeah. visit or we'd come down to Sioux Falls. I I couldn't wait. Just of our first off our the close friendships we've had for forty some years. But but. When you and I would go for
0: runs, gosh, dang it, that was fun. And, you know, that cabin uh, that you were kind of, we'll probably talk about that a little more later, that Rush City Cabin. It was right on the St. Croix River. And In fact, if anybody ever gets a map and you look at the the St. Croix River separates Minnesota and Wisconsin, and it's kind of like a Native American silhouette, you know, the side view of of a Native American man. And the tip of his nose is where that goddamn cabin was. Yes. Right there. And you could get up in the morning, and if you had their bedroom open window open in that cabin, you could chuck a rock out of it, and it would land in the freaking river. That's how close it you would. were. That's how close we and were. And we would jump in a boat, and you'd motor us across to the other side of the river. It was, I would never no. want to swim that river. And then we'd jump out, and it was like endless trails over in Wisconsin. Endless. With, you wouldn't see a living soul, no civilization. No, might see a bear or deer <laughs> That's or something about like it. that. So but- ideal training. Well, Beard just is yeah. good. Hey, so we're kind of wrapping up the, the yes. decade. The 1979s coming to a close. And so 1980, yep. man, you know, that's just a whole new horizon and some great stories. Absolutely. Right, Absolutely. We'll keep it rolling, man.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And we want to thank everybody for listening. And if you have any questions for Dunn and myself or comments about the show, you can contact us directly on our website at BeardsAndDunPod.com or leave us a comment on our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, all at BeardsAndDunPod.
0: And, of course... If you're watching on YouTube, you can actually see our pretty faces on that. But you can leave a comment. Yes, you can. Or subscribe, and and I don't blame you if you don't want to see that. But, Beards, it's always a joy to see you and visit oh. with you. I look forward to the next time we get to get together and chat. I do. We'll, uh, we'll see you next week, uh, Don, and
1: uh, everybody, we'll see you next All week. Right. Take Stay care. Stay in the boat, Beards.